it's really sad to see that despite knowing what we know, we still act the way we act. Today on How Now, we're talking to music fan, cycling safety advocate, and once and future ad man, Tom Flood. Tom uses the storytelling techniques of the car industry to provide effective counter-messaging to that industry's relentless onslaught. His series of short films uses these techniques to wake people up to the need for road safety for all road users, and especially those who don't have a giant metal box around them. We hope you enjoy our wide-ranging conversation and the music in the middle. Here's Tom Flood. Hi, Tom. Welcome to How Now, and thanks for agreeing to speak to us. Hello, and thank you for having me on. Awesome. So I know you are a big-time cycling advocate, although I don't know that if that word sits comfortably with you. Um, but what are the origins of this focus on uh, safety? I've heard you say yeah. you're not a cycling advocate. I, Is that I, true? I, I, the word advocate just doesn't feel right with me. I feel like that holds a lot more weight to what than what I do and then what I, how my involvement is. I think of people that do kind of heavy lifting and policy work, people at Cycle Hamilton and other organizations that do this day in and day out. I kind of feel like they're really great advocates for cycling where I'm just kind of a guy that talks about things once in a while and makes a few observations, let's say. So for me, what happened was, so I've always biked and always as a part of transport. So we lived in Toronto for quite a number of years and that's how I got to my job, how I got to the bars, how I got to gigs and all sorts of things. And then, so it was just a daily part of life. And we moved to Hamilton about six years ago and that's when I took the kids to school and daycare for the first time. And naturally when all you have done is really bike around to get places, that's what I thought I would do with them to get to where they needed to go because we were in a place where it was, it was possible. And the moment we got on the street was kind of the light bulb moment, like, oh, this is this is this is horrible. <laughs> this can't this can't be okay with anybody, right? How is this kind of the situation it is for people? And I guess in my twenties and before kids, I was I guess I guess for me I was a bit more selfish and self-involved. I didn't really consider everybody else is safety until it really was a personal situation for me that that um, that light bulb went off. And yeah, and so for me getting involved is been more about having a creative outlet for my frustrations. That's kind of the extent of my, right. how my involvement started. It makes sense. I mean, it does re- realign your vision of everything, doesn't it? When you're a parent, you're, co- you're trying to get people safely to and from. Just even as a pedestrian, it used to drive me mad how much of a thoroughfare a lot of our roads are. Your use of bikes looks like it does relate to cycling then mostly for inner city transportation rather than recreation on sort of trail networks and stuff like that. You're sort of arguing for a joined up safe way to get to school or to get to wherever you need to go within a city. Is that right? Like infrastructure sort of stuff. Yeah, that's kind of where my where my daily life lands, to be perfectly honest. And that's kind of been my focus and the most of my frustration. So I've recently got into kind of recreational cycling in the last couple of years, but that's pretty a pretty different aspect of it's it's related, but it's not exactly the same stories that I necessarily tell as far as getting around safely with my my two kids. Yeah. Yeah, so you're you're also involved, maybe not directly, but you mention in your content often about Vision Zero. I'm wondering if you could dive into that a little bit more. 
Yeah, Vision Zero is is what the city apparently says they're they are doing and exploring. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I am not the source of information for this. There's many people that know a lot more about this. Um, but we're not really attacking Vision Zero the way it's 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 set out to be done. I can't really think of anything that we've done in Hamilton, to be totally honest, that's been a direct result of this kind of Vision Zero mandate policy that they've been exploring and saying they've been kind of ticking boxes on. So could you maybe, I, could I you mean, maybe explain what, what Vision Zero is uh, just for anybody that doesn't, doesn't already know? Yeah, it's, it's really the idea of eliminating all road fatalities, essentially, and okay. um, yep. serious injuries on our road, getting it to, to zero and doing that through, you know, a number of ways of, you know, education, engineering, enforcement. And really, really for us here, it's, it's that re-engineering of the streets that is, is a real pivotal aspect of Vision Zero and something that, you know, I tip my hat to everyone that's done such a great job in this city, pushing things to get done, like the, the Bay Street bike lanes and can the, the Cannon bike lanes, which was such a massive project and a yeah. kind of a grassroots effort. So that's been amazing. So no way am I disparaging what's been done because that's a lot of the ways how I get around still. But there's a lot of things that are big misses when those things happen. For instance, when the Bay Street bike lanes went in, and I know, I think this has been remedied now, but you know, you protect half of it and the other half is, is unprotected, which essentially makes That's it useless still for unprotected. a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's still unprotected at the top end or bottom yeah. end, depending on where you start. I mean, I, I, ride, I ride bike lanes every, every day pretty much, and I don't often feel completely safe. I'm wondering, what are some of the impl- implementations, the, the hurdles to implementation that you see as a rider and as someone that, is seeking to find solutions. I, th- I think the biggest hurdle, and again, this is just just me speaking here, is the lack of empathy that we have in our in our council uh, chambers. There, I think that's the the biggest issue, and their unwillingness and lack of political will to actually make real change and make mm-hmm. and and speak out in a manner that puts forward the right narrative around what cycling and cycling infrastructure will do for the city rather than just playing on that old rhetoric to their bases that they could easily start shifting it and changing that narrative to um to people that may not be as willing to you know be an advocate for for changing our streets around and making it a bit more complete so i think it's that leadership and then it's trickling down sorry the lack of leadership and that trickle down effect which which makes yeah. it the biggest hurdle are there are there examples of other cities that you're, you're currently seeing that that exemplify that that we're kind of missing locally? A great opportunity recently was in it just just here in Toronto on Danforth. Um, I don't know if you've had the chance to to go out to Danforth in the last little while since. Excuse me. I've been I've been locked down, so. <laughs> yeah. For sure, <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing how they've transformed that street from a pretty high high uh, traffic, busy thoroughfare to now, you know, eliminating two lanes on either side and making way for cycling, expanding restaurants, um, and adding increased spaces for pedestrians. And it's a, it's a pilot, but it's still, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And I think that's something that we could look to and something that we have we really missed when COVID happened. And a lot of other cities were looking to see how they could expand their pedestrian and cycling networks to accommodate people that are now you know, when we're in this new world, essentially at this point. So mm-hmm. um, I think that was a big miss for us, but that's a great opportunity that, that Toronto just executed it on. So quite local. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I think it's really this, something to see. To be honest, it's it's quite remarkable. I'll have to check that out for sure. I I find I find the way that we design our cities uh, is is not a, a people focused uh, thing. It's it's usually it's usually just to get through the city back home or wherever else people are living, and and I think it's problematic. Uh, I'm wondering if there's any benefits that you see to in, investing in that type of infrastructure whether it's commerce, whether it's safety, whether it's all the above? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's all of the above, but I mean, we, we are, I guess in Hamilton famously, our competitive advantage as they keep calling it as is our five lane <laughs> main street that runs mm. east, west of the entire you mean, city. And call I mean, it what it is, you mean the highway? The <laughs> highways. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The freeways, so not, really. <laughs> well, they are. I mean, there's not many places where you can exit, a, in, speaking locally here in the GTA, a 400 series highway into more lanes of traffic is what you do. You exit a four mm-hmm. lane 403 into a five lane main street, which is just it's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's every time I like, and, I, and again, I feel like I need to preface this all the time when I speak with people, not yourselves, but I drive, I drive a car, I use my car a lot. So I'm just, it's just for some reason, there's an immediate alignment that if if people want our street to be a little bit safer for those who walk and bike and, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we want to eliminate road violence that automatically I'm some anti-car radical that doesn't drive. And it's, it's so far from it's the slap a slap a, a quick label on label. somebody and write and write them off. Mm-hmm. We, we're not actually well, listening to the need. It's a backwards-looking methodology, and it's it was apparently a huge movement in the fifties throughout North America to have these massive one-way streets. Everywhere else, they've removed them. Yeah. Hamilton's the last bastion of them, and it's because these <laughs> dinosaurs are still sitting there in council offices, going, "Ain't broke, don't fix it," you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, like, I mean, the, the battle to get Queen Street converted after like you know, what thousands of flip cars. And I don't even think that's hyperbolic to be honest over the the decades. No, it's not. And the, the, the amount it took of kind of grassroots campaigning and initiatives to make at least that one street and Queen street, you can replicate across the entire city all the way east to pick, pick every major thoroughfare. It's a a Queen street. I just happened to speak to that because I live close to it, but I know that's the way it is across. So Part of what got me interested in speaking up about these things was mm-hmm. one is that I realized, wow, this is really not great for kids to be biking around and getting to school and daycare and all that stuff. And two was when I first moved here, those Herkimer Charlton bike lanes went in and I remember hearing certain counselors speaking very ill of them. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, that's, these are great. These are going to be really great for me to get around with my kids. And I, and that was, that was kind of the catalyst to be honest for me to be like, there's something really wrong. Like how, how, I I was so shocked. And I guess it's a very naive point of view because I had no involvement in any sort of civic, nothing city related, municipally related. Like I had no interest in any local politics or anything. So to hear someone say that this was not a good thing, I was like, oh, that's really weird. Someone would say that because obviously it's a really great thing. And that was kind of the tipping point yeah. for me. So going back to kind of when the pandemic began, you were still working in the nonprofit world. Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah, that's actually been a really big change in my life. Okay. Very recently. Yeah. Um, I was in the nonprofit space for a while and I had re- re- very recently left as of uh, September. So when the pandemic did hit, how did that affect you? 
For, for us, again, we are some of the very lucky, privileged, and fortunate human beings on this planet. So I, I'll speak to relative our situation. But yes, we are very lucky. We have a place. We have a home to live in. So we had the kids at home, and we were both able to work from home. But it was it was a challenge to say to say the least. Mm-hmm. I think. I gave up on trying to school my two kids who are nine and seven about three or four weeks in. I just, it wasn't working. They were angry. I was getting really upset. And the mental health in this house was suffering extremely from us trying to do the schooling thing through this, through COVID. And it's no knock to the board or the teachers. It was, it's what it was. And it just wasn't working for us here. Mm-hmm. So we, we stopped schooling pretty early on, to be honest, and just thought maybe if we just were little less upset around in the house, we'd have a, we'd have something better to take away from this, this pandemic. It's kind of come to light that at the beginning of the pandemic, it felt like we were all together there was all this rhetoric about, Hey, we're, we're better together. We'll get through this together, yeah. all that. And, and now we're kind of seeing that there's two camps and, and there's like this, this have camp and this have not, everything's been accentuated. What have you kind of noticed in that? And I don't know exactly how that'll be resolved, but what do you think good will come from that realization? From the disparity between the people that have from the from the the realization that we that that some of these things are coming to the forefront. I guess it's really, really positive that it's coming to the forefront. And I, I hope that change will happen from that. And these are these aren't great answers, but seeing our immediate effect right now of our encampments that are here in Hamilton and people being booted around isn't really inspiring if we're speaking locally to any sort of a change that will happen from what we're seeing in the disparity between the people that have and don't because it's mm-hmm. happening every, every, what, 14 days? We, we, we move our marginalized residents, just kick them yeah, out. Like yeah. it's, it's really sad to see that despite knowing what we know, we still act the way we act. And that it's, 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 I try to stay optimistic, but that's really, really hard to see. And I, I am very grateful for the organizations here locally that do so much of this work to stay on top of this and mm-hmm. try to make that positive change because there are a lot of, a lot of people suffering right now. And, and our yeah. local government is not doing hardly enough. And I know I should be doing a lot more as well. So I shouldn't just hold one person accountable, but um, we could all be doing a lot more to help the people that have a lot less than us. For sure. Have you, have you noticed anybody that's been doing anything to adapt in this time? I know we're kind of all waiting on a vaccine. Um, who knows when yeah. it'll come probably, you know, yeah. 2022, but I'm just wondering if there's a story or, or any, anything that you've seen along the way that has encouraged you. I think some of the caremongering that was going on was was mm. really really amazing, um, and I think they I think that program is relocated to the new New Vision Church at the the United Church on um, on Main and James yeah. now, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. So that that was that was really 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 amazing to see people coming together for that. Was really blown away because people do care and people do want to help, um, and it, it takes organizers and people that have it in them and don't necessarily have the capacity, but make the time to do it. That is so inspiring because, you know, everyone says they're busy, but the people that are doing that hard work on the ground every day are just as busy, but find the time to do it and sacrifice things that are important to them to help the people that have less. And I, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have more examples, but I, 
constantly could tip my hat in the city and I should do that after this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you did some kind of networking uh, online stuff, right? At the beginning there? I was oh, listening yeah. to another podcast. Yeah, the, the guy in England you were chatting to about um, road safety. And it sounds like you just made those kind of early networking things happen. So that's really cool because he still keeps in touch with a lot of those people too. You put, yeah, you put that, other people together as well. That was good fun. So that, yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, we're all, again, sitting, sitting around and, you know, I've, um, I've got a bit of like a, a community online, like, like many of us do. And we talk to each other all day long on, on Twitter. And it's, it's not completely toxic on Twitter all the time. And I thought it'd be really nice if we could just like chat face to face or face to video, I guess. And so I put a call out and a whole bunch of people responded and we started doing a few chats, you know, two or three of them. And it was really great to actually talk to people like we're doing now, but people that I never had a chance to meet before and people from all over the world. It was, it was really, really nice. And those initial conversations really is we've connected further on from, from those initial discussions. So it was really great. This week's track comes to us from Asset Lace pop artist Sunfields. It's brand new and it's called Just Like the Young. We were down by the park Doing things in the dark We were still young We'd do anything for some fun Sometimes we had none Yes. 
And that was Sunfields with their track Just Like the Young off their latest album called Late Bloomers. In this time of need, it's important that we support musicians and those who power live events. You can check out the show notes for ways to get involved with initiatives that are working towards getting the show back on the road again. Now back to the How Now interview with Tom Flood. So tell me, was your advertising work prior to Parenthood on the account side or, or the creative side? Because I, I didn't know you back then. Yeah, so my advertising, that was my, my career. And I was on the account service side, client service side for a long time. And, you know, strangely enough, I worked a lot of automotive accounts. Right. I did that for quite a while. And to be totally honest, I kind of burnt out from the advertising world. It was really, really fun for a certain part of my life pre-kids. So that was your question, mm-hmm. I think. So it was really awesome to be able to go out and, you know, shoot commercials and travel around and all that stuff. But as soon as the two boys came, everything changed for me. And I, it wasn't, I wasn't home enough and I wanted to be mm-hmm. home more and I didn't want to be out and gone and not around. So yeah, I kind of took a hard stop because I wasn't happy with where my, my life was. And I, again, I was in a very fortunate position that I could do that. And had some time to think about it. We decided to move out of Toronto and we decided to move to Hamilton essentially around that time. Because now it looks like you're with your creative by Rovello. Is it Rovello or Rovello? Rovello. It's really pretentious. It's Rovello. Rovello. It's funny because I know you've got a son called Oliver too, right? I have a son called Oliver. and. Yeah. I call him by his name backwards all the time. I just have this backwards thing with the people in my life. I don't know why, but I call him Revelo and I call so that, Neb. That, that's really <laughs> funny you say that, Yvonne, because people ask me the, the name of that. And it's because that's partly Oliver's name backwards. And it's <laughs> R-O is Ronan, my other child's first name. So that's why I oh. went. And then Ve- Velo was obviously bicycle. So that's how that name came. No one's ever asked me huh. that, but that's oh, wow. where it came from. Wow. It's not just super pretentious. So <laughs> no, it's actually very, it's code. <laughs> that's right. It's code. And that's your first bit of, of content creation. Cause now it looks like you're on the content creation side. So tell us about some of your work with creative by creative by Rev- Rovello.com. <laughs> yeah. That's that again. It was just so Doing some of this, again, it was just frustration, creative work online. And some people were interested and said, hey, do you have anything else? And I was like, no, I'm just a, an upset dad that posts <laughs> this stuff. I really have nothing else, but I didn't, didn't say that, of course. And then one agency in New York called me. Um, they're called Transportation Alternatives. And they were kind of a large advocacy agency in, in New York City. And they said, hey, you know, we really like your stuff. Do you want to produce some commercials for us? And I said, yeah, absolutely. This is actually kind of pre-pandemic. And so we had a lot of really great ideas. And then, of course, everything shut down. And so we're like, well, we should still do it, but it'll just have to be done a little bit differently now. Mm-hmm. So made some content for them, produced a couple of commercials for them. And it was done. Some of this, a lot of the footage they had, I had to have them shoot it because I obviously couldn't go anywhere. And But we put together two spots and it came out. That went pretty well. And then they asked me to write an article and then that went out and people started really saying, oh, okay, this guy does this and that. And so I was like, oh, I really should, you know, get a website and like put some stuff up. Because <laughs> luckily enough, people were interested. It's really kind of, it's, it's grown. It's not large by any means, but it's grown significantly in the last little while where I have a number of clients that are now, I'm, I'm producing content and, and creative strategy for right now. That's amazing. So it's something I never thought would ever, there was never, there was no goal with 
posting <laughs> stuff online. It was never my intention at all, but it's kind of turned into that. And it's, it's kind of happening right now, which is really, really interesting. So what are, what are some That's of fabulous. your clients uh, working on big picture? Yeah, I don't, I can't speak to who they are, but they're, sure. they're all kind of safe street vision zero type advocacy organizations is all I okay. can say now until I finish these. Cause there's a yeah. few, a bunch of these projects have just recently come in the last month. So I'm working on them right now. Um, which I'll be happy finish to share NDAs. as soon as I finish it. Yeah, yeah. No, very big, very big deal. No, it's, it, they're all really great organizations. And I just, it's generally organizations that just want to connect more emotionally and mm-hmm. with, with a broader audience. And that's partly what I think is important in this space. You know, I, I do say some things that are rather polarizing, but when I'm asked what's the best way to go, it's to be non-polarizing and try to, you know, bridge those gaps between, between the people that may not be as similarly minded as people like, like us and try to, try to find those commonalities rather than just prey on the obvious differences. Yeah, we probably yeah, need a sure. bit more of that in our lives. <laughs> yeah, it seems like yeah, the perfect fusion I. too. Of your past, like your life as a, in the ad world and, and your life pursuing safe cycling post kids, like it seems just the, the best blend. And it, it sounds more or less accidental. Is that fair or was there, was there more of a fair. kind of game plan? No, honestly, Yvonne, <laughs> it was so organic and accidental. Like I, again, I only, I was never really on social media much. Like, and then I just thought I could vent my frustrations with how come I was just really surprised. And again, it's my ignorance that this was, this was okay. <laughs> that, that having like these painted lines was fine. Like it was so shocking to me that it was yeah. just a place of, frust- of frustration and, um, it was completely accidental. I had no, no plan for this. It's not what I thought I'd be doing. There was no like sneaky, oh, maybe this will be what I know, honestly. <laughs> That's great. The best, my goal uh, is to be a rock star still, and it's never going to happen. <laughs> That's my no, ultimate but it's goal. good to have goals. It's good to have right. unattainable goals. <laughs> That's right. That, and that is definitely one. <laughs> were, you, were, you in ba- were you in bands back in the day? I, I was in a few bands as, as, a, as a kid, and then I was in one more serious band and i use that as loose as i can okay um when in, in, in toronto for well it's all relative so, yeah yeah <laughs> we, we i loved it and the guy that started the, i started the band with i was playing with since i was 14 and it's it was a band that just just kind of noisy jesus and mary chain type music that oh amazing i love <laughs> and yeah. and uh yeah it was fun we got to you know just we lived in toronto played lots of gigs and good fun never Never like went to that next level, but played enough fun gigs that were full at times and sometimes completely empty. <laughs> As it goes. The empty ones are always the best. The empty were, ones you don't have great. any pressure. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> so with your new venture, what's the greatest hurdle or challenge? Uh, both personally or uh, as this business, this new business forms too. You know what? It's the biggest barrier I think is myself and just it's weird because it's, it didn't start, this was not the intention. So I think when people are asking for, for certain things, it's, I can, I can, I can, I can accomplish them, but it's just, I I've been doing a lot of, I had to do a lot of prep work in the last bunch of months to be able to feel comfortable to say, I say yes to everything, but to be able to confidently say yes, I think was a big hurdle I had to get over recently in the last, last half a year. Because, yeah. you know, when people ask you for things and or it's different when you're just posting things for, for, for the hell of it. And because you're, you're just an upset, angry dad versus someone saying, hey, can you do this for us to help yeah. us achieve this yeah. goal? 
when there's dead when there's deadlines and and real yeah you know real real things that they want from you and Is i'm it- okay dealing with those kinds of things and i think a lot of my as yvonne said like a lot of my work in advertising I'm, that i can manage but it's the idea of developing ideas mm-hmm. um and that that you feel very vulnerable because when it's just me it's just me but now i'm someone's asking me for something and that's something I had to get over a little while ago is that mm-hmm. to put out your creative ideas, you feel kind of vulnerable, like, Oh, maybe this isn't great, you yeah. know, but it didn't matter when it's just me. Cause it's just me. But if it's someone asking you for that, that's, that was a hurdle I had to yeah. get over a while back. <laughs> or paying yeah, for you for sure. that. I've been there that's right. as well as freelance. Yeah. You know, I just right. freelance for years. I did bits of copywriting, but mostly I was copy editor, proofreader. But when it came to the copywriting, that's a different thing. Cause you like, Oh, you know, like you say, you're just writing for your own amusement. Yeah. That's one thing. But if you're being paid and it's a remit and it's a deadline and it's it's pressure, that's yeah. You know, right. you have to you do have to have the guts to go. Okay, I can do this. I know I can do this. That's, that's exactly the first it. Barrier. It, it, yeah, that, that was the first barrier. I think I I, I you know I'll never be a hundred percent over it, but like a bunch of months ago, I felt. I feel way more confident now in that space. That's awesome. Well, hopefully you'll keep, keep chugging along. And so I guess what I wanted to end with was, you know, you have this trajectory of, of bands and then, and then you, you were in an ad ad agency and then, you know, not for profit and now you're kind of back. So it's, it's this full loop. And I'm just wondering if you ever think about yourself, your younger self and wonder, I should have said this, I should have done this. I should have done something differently. Anything, anything that comes to mind that you would say so, to your younger self? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's easier to look back now and say, don't care as much what people think about you. Number one, <laughs> I would never have listened to that. But I think the, the number one thing that I think about now is that I would, I would tell my, if you're asking me what I would tell myself a little, yeah. a little while ago, I would say, don't sacrifice, like, don't sacrifice time. Um, with your kids for time at work. And that would mm. be the absolutely number one thing. And again, that comes from a privileged, fortunate perspective where you can try to make those choices. But course, yeah. I think it's that time I've realized is so finite and um, mm-hmm. you'll never get it back. No. So that's, that's the one thing I think if I had to say to myself, I'd say, just don't, don't throw that time away. Just pack it in, get home, see the kids. Yeah. But you did. You know, you did. And I, yeah, I did. And I, I just, you're right. You know, you, cause really you've mm-hmm. been riding those kids around since they were tiny. And I mean, <laughs> Neil had never saw my two, our two before bedtime because he stayed in the ad world. So you did yeah. leave it and you did, you did make the, the shift. And that's really hard mm-hmm. to do because we all get in that loop of needing what we don't yeah. really need. But yeah. we kind until of, you br- until you break level. that cycle, until you break that, like, dependency almost it's it is hard to make that call so kudos to you yeah you yeah no, I, I, yeah and it's no it's no it's definitely no knock to anyone that can't do that or hasn't done that it's just if i would give myself advice that's mm-hmm. what i would say really mm-hmm. work hard to try to get that time because it goes away really quickly mm-hmm. that's it. it does it's fantastic advice i totally agree with that 100 percent. so when you have kids matt Actually, no, enjoy 100% of this time with no kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's exactly. Buy that bike right now. Yeah, yeah. Buy, it, buy, it, buy it now and, and then I can enjoy it. Yeah, regret it later. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tom, for, for coming on and talking to us and sharing yeah. a bit of your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was yeah. really, really fun. It was really nice to talk to you both.
for sure. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. And we'll put links up to your Rovello creative. Sorry, okay. creative Rovello. Ro- Rovello. I the wrong way around. Creative okay, wait. I, I'm gonna, it's, it's Rovello. I'm just Rovello. Rovello. Okay. There's an, there, I think it's an accent ego. I told you it wasn't that pretentious. <laughs> oh, God. There, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, I don't even have I'm, it with I'm the accent ego on kidding. there. Okay, creativebyrovello.com. <laughs> All right, well, you take care. It's been really fun. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, cheers, Tom. Okay. okay. See you around. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. If you'd like to find out more about Tom, Rovelo Creative, or anything mentioned in this podcast, subscribe to our Substack. If you're enjoying the podcast, we hope you'll consider reviewing us on iTunes or telling a friend. A big thanks to Tom Flood, Neil Woodley for graphic design, Tom Hamilton and Tyler Bershey for creating our theme, Elevator for the music, and all of you for listening. Next week, we talk to Michael Rancic about getting his new feeling co-op going. You can follow us wherever you find your podcasts. Until next time, keep adapting.